Hey guys, and welcome back to the Penny to Pounds podcast with your host Kia. And this is the podcast where we aim to dispel your myths, simplify difficult finance jargon, and rectify your own personal problems. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, everyone. We are back with another episode, and I'm super excited for this one. I've got an amazing guest with me. We have the incredible, I, I'm going to call you like the king of property. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to crown you that today, the king of property, but Introduce yourself, please. Who are you? The king of... Pro- I've never had that one before. I'm not going to lie. That's, a, that's definitely a first, but I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm Topsy, Topsy Tywo. I am a presenter, content creator, and a so-called property expert, yes. if you want to call it that. We will um, call it that spe- today. Yes. Specifically, more so within the first-time buyer space, really trying to help people get onto the property ladder and make their first steps into property. So that's where I specialise. Well, that's absolutely amazing. We have you for the right episode because we're going to be talking about all things first-time buyer. Well, more specifically about stamp duty. But before we get into that, Topsy, this is a new thing I'm starting with my guests now, okay? And you were the first one I'm doing this with. We are going to play a quick game of this or that because we want to see where is your head at? We want to actually understand how does Topsy want to spend his money? So I want you to imagine you've got this big pot of cash, but you can only spend it on one of the two things that I mentioned, Okay. So think about it, but tell me, we're going to go, there's five questions. Let's go through the first one. Right. So you've got the big pot of cash, remember? Number one, what are you picking? A rental property or a holiday home? So like a property that, that literally for the sole purpose in the UK, by the way, to rent out or somewhere amazing abroad to own. Rental. Rental property. Okay, cool. Number two, are you picking a million pound mansion or a million pound property portfolio? Ooh. Ooh. Now, this is an interesting one. This is an interesting one. Um, ooh. Ooh, I've I'm got you a go good one. The million pound. The mansion. I'm going to go for the million pound. Okay, yeah, why not? The, the, the portfolio. No, I'm going to go for the mansion because, like, you create memories in mm. your big home and it's not, it's not every day, it's not every day investment. Yeah. So, um, particular occasion I'm going to go for the mansion okay I like that I like that answer really good answer okay would you rather buy a house in cash or use a mortgage one million percent use a mortgage (laughs) really why why that answer because that boils down to the concept of leverage Mm -hmm. really straightforward example if you have a million pounds you can buy one property in cash and the market goes up by 10 percent. that property is now worth an additional 10 percent. whereas if you use the mortgage and you split that into four different properties obviously excluding costs and the market also goes up by 10 percent, you've had an increase of 10 percent on four separate properties and that right there is a concept of leverage amazing look at that this is why we call you the king of property because that was amazing great answer and great explanation thank you so much right next one are you picking a luxury holiday or a flashy car um, oh, 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 that's a really hard one. Ooh. It's a really hard one because you're trying to decide between creating a memory that you're going to have for a lifetime yep. or a car would be amazing, but yes. I know I'm going to get bored of within a couple of years, True. but it's still, it's still a nice car. Ah, this is hard. So a luxury car or a luxury holiday? Yes. Ah, oh, this is so hard. I'm going to go for a luxury holiday. Okay. I'm not as much of a car person as I would like to be. Yep. So. I think the luxury holiday would be more valuable to me. That's what I would um, place more value on. Okay, I like that. I like that. Now, final one, right? Make or break one for you. What are we picking? £500,000 or dinner with Jay-Z? 
Oh, you got me in this one. <laughs> I'm, gonna, you know, I'm gonna be a troll. I'm gonna be a troll. I'm gonna say dinner with Jay Z. Okay, why are you picking Jay Z? <laughs> because I'm just because it's the most ridiculous answer. But you know what? <laughs> I want to. I want to know what these people who are picking dinner with Jay Z know that I don't know. Yes. So I'm. I'm. I'm gonna pick dinner with Jay Z because apparently it's a very expensive dinner. And you get a lot from it. So. <laughs> Let's see what Jay-Z has to say. I'm going to pick dinner with Jay-Z. Okay, yeah, I love your answers. Topsy, that has been amazing. Thank you. I feel like we've got a better insight into you now. So now we can go swiftly in to stamp duty. Now, this has been everywhere. And I mean, literally everywhere. You pick up any kind of newspaper, you turn on any TV, and we've been talking about stamp duty. So before we get into anything, Topsy, what exactly is stamp duty? Yeah, sure thing. So... In England and Wales and the UK in general, actually, stamp duty is very simply put a tax that you pay on the transaction of a property changing from one person to another. It is levied in different bands. So depending on the price that you pay for a property and the price of that transaction, you will pay a different amount of tax. Now, stamp duty accounts for about 12 billion in tax revenue per wow. year for the government which represents about 2% of the total treasury bills that they, they collect each year. So although it's 12 billion, it's actually a fraction of what they collect. Um, so you've got about 600 billion that they collect in tax each year and stamp duty makes up about 2% of that. And that tax is uh, really important, obviously, because it essentially helps them spend that money on whatever they need to go and spend it on. But that, in a nutshell, is stamp duty. It's, just, it's, a, it's a tax that you pay on transaction of one property changing from one person to another. That makes so much sense. You know what? When you hear 12 billion, I can't even picture 12 billion, but for it to only make up 2% of the total amount yep. of taxes that the government collects is crazy. Very crazy. I didn't know that stat and I'm going to, that's going to be etched in my memory now. That's crazy. So moving um, on now. So we've spoken about what it is. So how does it impact first time buyers? Because I feel like this is something that's always rolled off people's tongues. I want to get a property, but stamp duty this. And we, we had stamp duty holidays. So what actual impact? Like should first time buyers be even having it in their mind. What does that look like for first-time buyers? The, the good news for first-time buyers is um, within the last uh, 10 years or so, I'm not entirely specifically uh, sure what year it came in, but the government introduced um, a law that up to £300,000 uh, first-time buyers pay no tax or pay no stamp duty, essentially, on the transaction of a property. So that's a really good benefit for those because, as you well know, and a lot of people know the costs of buying or costs involved in purchasing a property are huge. You've got solicitor's fees, you've got survey fees, you've got broker fees, and you've obviously got the deposit as well. So the government introduced that as a measure to really try and help first-time buyers onto the ladder. So up to £300,000 first-time buyers are actually exempt from that. And then anything up to £500,000, they pay 5% on. So that £200,000 gap is a, a tax which is levied at 5%. And if you're a first-time buyer buying anything above that, then you actually don't qualify for first-time buyer relief. So that's how stamp duty works for first-time buyers. Okay, that is a really good breakdown. So let's say someone's buying their house and their house is £400,000. How is that actually paid? So do, do you have to have that 5% difference between the, the 300000 400000 in cash to pay that? How is that actually paid out? Yeah, sure. So the stamp duty that you are due to pay is actually something which has to be paid upon completion of the purchase. So you need to account for that money when you're 
budgeting how you're going to buy your first property. Obviously, you have a deposit. Obviously, you have all the other costs that uh, you're going to have to pay for purchasing the property as well, as well as stamp duty. So in your £400,000 example, let's say you're a first-time buyer buying a property, your tax bill up to £300,000 would be nothing. And then you pay 5% on the amount between £300,000 and £400,000, which equates to £5,000. So your purchase price on that property would be £400,000 and a £5,000 tax bill. Now, if you've got a 10% deposit, that would equate to £40,000. So you've got £45,000, which is going towards the purchase of that property and then all the other costs I mentioned as well. So if you're using a solicitor, solicitor's costs usually range from about 1000 to 2000 depending on if you're buying a freehold or a leasehold property. If you're using a mortgage broker, that would usually equate to £500. So you're looking at anywhere really between £45,000 and £50,000 in order for that transaction to go through. So those are some of the costs that you should be aware of when you're buying a property as a first-time buyer in that particular £400,000 example. Brilliant. So you kind of touched on it there with the additional cost, you know, solicitor's fees. But what other hidden costs so stamp duty was a good one we now understand what that is we've got solicitors what other hidden costs should first-time buyers consider because i speak to a lot of people i'm sure you speak to way more people than me about property who are sitting down saying yeah i'm planning out i'm going to save up my deposit then i can go and run and get my house but there's so many other things that you need to factor in so what you know some of the costs that people should really consider we need an extra pot of money for those hidden costs so what are those costs yeah absolutely so i've touched on some of them already the deposit obviously is the main cost that you need to be aware of stamp duty is the other main cost if you're buying above uh, the three hundred thousand pound mark and then moving on to another major cost which is your solicitor's fee now your solicitor's fee typically ranges like i said between one thousand and two thousand and if you're buying a leasehold property that involves more legal work for a solicitor And if you're using help to buy, which we can touch on a little bit later, again, that involves a bit more work. So I've had a client who's recently bought help to buy property in West London up to £600,000. And the solicitor's fee that he paid for that was 2,700 quid. Now, he was initially budgeting for way less than that because he was quoted by a number of solicitors who didn't really know his uh, situation in a lot of detail Mm. of around £1,500 and was asking me, hey, why is it costing me nearly three grand for this solicitor? And that's because the level of work a solicitor has to do is totally dependent on the type of transaction it is. So that solicitor's cost you really need to be really aware of. But in a nutshell, the more work they have to do, the more forms they have to fill out, the more admin they have to do, you're going to get a solicitor who's going to be charging you more money. Now, I'd always also say when it comes to solicitors, you can try and find someone cheap, but what is cheap can often be very expensive, if that makes sense, because you might find that they've done a bad job, they're not returning your calls, they're not necessarily a specialist in that area, or there's just generally not a good solicitor all around. So you want to make sure when you are choosing a good solicitor, you're checking reviews, you're going off of personal recommendations, and you're getting a quote from at least three, so you can then start to compare what's going to be the best one. But I always say, um, when it comes to choosing a cheap solicitor, that's fool's gold because you can get yourself bitten in the ass if you're not going to be um, pr- uh, proper about it. So that's the next main cost. And then obviously I've touched on uh, surveyors and mortgage and, and mortgage fees. So you've got something which is called a mortgage product fee. And that's essentially the price of you taking on that mortgage product. So uh, the mortgage product fee can actually be enrolled within the mortgage or you can pay it upfront yourself. Most people will choose to enroll that mortgage product fee within the mortgage because it doesn't massively uh, change your repayments that much. And it's just another thing that you don't have to pay when you're transacting on a property as a first time buyer. And then you've also got the mortgage broker fee, um, which um, can usually equate up to £500. And I always say with mortgage broker fees, it's always worth going to a mortgage broker as opposed to going direct to your bank. Mm. And a really simple example of 
that is if you're shopping around um you know for the best product in a supermarket you're not going to go just that to, uh, to that particular one brand stop you're going to go to a supermarket to make sure you've got the widest choice possible of getting the best products and it's exactly the same with a mortgage broker the bank is only going to show you what products they've got available and they're most likely going to be buy it's because they want to sell you one of their own products. Whereas a mortgage broker gets paid commission irrespective of what lender you go to. So they're not biased and they're just going to want to make sure that they're choosing the best product that works for you. So yes, it's another cost, but I think it's money well worth spent. So those are just some of the fees that I would say uh, to look out for. And the most obvious ones that you need to be aware of when you're buying when you're buying a property. And then there's a whole host of other ones which don't equate up to 1,000, 1,500 or 500. Um, but you'll, you'll, you'll start to see what those are when you start going through the process. And they usually are to, uh, to do with uh, extra admin by a solicitor and, and things you, that you pay for moving in or things along those lines as well. That is so, so helpful. Especially, usually I'm a bargain hunter, okay? If I can get something yeah. really cheap, that's what I'm going to do. But hearing what you just said now, when it comes to solicitors and any kind of trusted person that I need in that process, maybe... Cheap isn't the way to go because, as you say, you're not spending more in the long run. So that was absolutely amazing for giving us that breakdown so we actually understand what we should be looking for. I have another question for you. Let's sure. say we have someone here who's got their first house. They've already bought it. Great. They now want to purchase another one. They're starting to build their portfolio. How does stamp duty impact them? What does that look like now? I've got one already. I want to purchase another one. How does stamp duty work in that sense? 100%. So... If you're buying an additional property, obviously you're no longer classed as a first-time buyer, but you then have to pay what's known as additional stamp duty or um, an, a surcharge in the stamp duty tax bill that you're um, that you're paying in order for that transaction to go through, and that is essentially a three percent surcharge on top of whatever the existing rates are at the time. So um, you might touch on it later on, but obviously we've had the stamp duty holiday, and in a nutshell, the stamp duty holiday meant that all purchases up to £500,000 for people buying a property uh, was uh, levied at 0% tax. But those who are buying a second property still had to pay the 3% surcharge. So yes, they saved money, but when you're buying an additional property, it's an extra 3% essentially. So again, if we go back to that um, uh, £400,000 example, if you were um, a normal purchaser just buying this property with normal stamp duty rates, your 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 tax bill um, as a as a normal first time buyer sorry as a non first time buyer just a normal buyer buying a property would be ten thousand pounds but if you were buying it as an additional property it would be twenty two thousand pounds because it's an additional three percent on whatever the existing tax rate is so when you're buying a second property as an investor you need to be very aware that your tax bill shoots up and that's another cost that you really need to be aware of when you're looking to buy buy a second property and the reasoning behind that and the reason it was brought in in the first place was basically just to try and help people to get onto the um, onto the property ladder and also to do you know stop investors gobbing up all those properties and not allowing other first-time buyers to get a piece of the pie so that's the reason why it was brought in in the first place but really and truly you could argue that it hasn't really stopped investors going to buy uh, going to buy property there's a number of different ways in which it's still worth your while because it's still a much better and a much more straightforward investment than a lot of other things. And you've also got a lot of people who just built up massive, uh, massive amounts of equity within their property. So an additional £12,000 might seem like a lot of money in the short term, but the, uh, the equity that they're going to gain in the long term still does not put them off. So that's what the um, extra surcharge is for and how it can impact you when you're buying a second property. Okay. I want to ask you, what does the property market look like right now. Someone's listening and saying, you know, I've actually got the money or in a couple of months I'll have the money. 
what are we looking at? Because sometimes I read online and we're seeing that property prices are, you know, are rising and you think we're in a pandemic still, we still haven't fully come out. What does it look like right now? Yeah, the market at the moment, again, we get asked this all the time. And um, if anyone who's sort of working in the property space, what the, what the market's doing right now. And I just keep on finding myself saying that the market is mad. And it's still, <laughs> it's, it's it's moving mad. If you if you watch Love Island, you'll get that reference. Yeah. Um, but it's, it is moving mad um, in such a way that ever since that stamp duty holiday was introduced by the Chancellor in June 2020 of last year, it was almost like there was a rocket ship just in, you know, stuck into the property market and it has just kept on going without any real sign of it slowing down over the last 12 months. And it's not just in the UK. If you look at international markets as well, whether it's America, Australia, just pick a city that's quite desirable in across the world and you'll typically see that the prices have just gone through the roof. And it's a combination of things that are a common denominator of all of those countries. And the first thing I would say to that is that people have just been stuck at home They've not really enjoyed their spaces. They've questioned why they're living in, in this, you know, horrible box of a place. They want some outside space. And they've also managed to accidentally save up loads of money. So people have just been able to come out of the pandemic. They've got all these extra savings. They've been able to go and buy places. And a lot of the appreciation has been with those who either already owned property or those who are fortunate enough to not lose their jobs. So you can argue that there's been a divide and an increase in the inequality from the haves and the have-nots. But those are the people, the haves are the people who've really pushed up house prices massively. And that's really what we've seen in the last year. So to put that into numbers, Mm -hmm. if you look at most measures in the last year alone, across the the UK specifically, house prices have risen by about 14 to 15 percent, depending on what uh, depending on which measure you look at. Um, That's asking prices. Sorry. And actual completed prices have risen anywhere from around eight to 12 percent, depending what measure you look at so we've seen a massive increase in prices and to put that into context that's the largest annual increase that we've seen since 2004 that's so crazy a 17 year record that's been broken within the last year or so and again just to summarize all of that it's been driven by people staying at home wanting some more outside space people being accidental savers and people just wanting to make sure that they're taking advantage of low mortgage rates and taking advantage of a really good market right now to try and sell their existing property and buy somewhere else. So that's really what's driven the market in the last year. That's crazy. Would you say that first-time buyers should still consider making a purchase? Like if if they have, obviously we're not advising anyone here, we're just having a conversation, but if someone had the deposit, they're going to have it in six months' time, should they wait? Should they hold off for a year or two and say, let's see what the market's saying in another year or so, or should they just dive head first and go and purchase anyway? You know what? I always sort of say or a caveat, any statement I make about this by saying it really depends on your individual situation, number one. But as a general rule of thumb, my ethos and the way in which I think about this question always boils down to your time horizon. And if you're buying a property, it's more it's more about the time you spend in the market as opposed to time in the market. And you'll hear everyone say that, whether they're in stocks and shares, crypto um, or property. But I think it reigns true because... If you go back and look at what happened in 2007, most people who bought in that year bought at the peak of the property market. And then three years later, a lot of people found that their asset had dropped by 10 to 15%. But if you fast forward another seven years, what happened to the price of the asset? Any loss was massively outweighed by the huge gain that they experienced over the next uh, seven to eight years. 
So that's a perfect example of a long time horizon. You don't realize a loss or a gain unless you sell. So yes, you might find yourself or you might risk going into negative equity. And yes, you might find yourself um, with an asset that's worth less than what you bought it for today. But if you're planning on keeping hold of this for a long time, great, go ahead and just buy it because it's your home, number one. It's one of the best places you may have seen. And you're just going to enjoy a space to live in. Now, if you are an investor and if you are looking at this purely from a numbers game, my answer is probably slightly different to you. And an investor, for them, they should always just try and focus on margin of safety. And when I say margin of safety, I mean trying to buy below market value. So irrespective of whether or not the market is going up or going down, you're buying an asset which you can add value to and you're getting it below whatever the market rate is at the time. And you either flip it, you keep hold of it, you remortgage, you do whatever you need to do. But that's a different answer to an investor as opposed to a first-time buyer. So yes, you might risk yourself losing money, but it's your home. You know, it's something that you're, you're going to live in for a long, a long amount of time, um, a long period of time. Um, and the last thing I'll say on this is that the one thing I'd always do is try and use data and try and make sure that whatever asset you are buying or wherever you are buying as a first time buyer, it's the you know the best place that you can you can you can get your hands on basically. So um, it's obviously got to be a place that you enjoy living in, but it's also got to make sure from an, from an investment perspective, it's ticking a lot of boxes. Whether it's close to a station, so if you keep hold of it, you can rent it out. Whether it's in an up and coming area like. Um, stations along Crossrail, whether it's close to a good school, whether it's close to supermarkets, which are going to be built within the next few years. So those are the sorts of things I'd focus on as a first-time buyer, as well as um, buying a place that you actually want to enjoy living in. You have given us so many gems there, Topsy. I'm literally just soaking it all in. I know everyone listening is doing the exact same, just soaking it all in. Just to round off then, what would be your number one tip to a first-time buyer. It can be about anything in that process. What would be your number one tip that you say, right, this is the one thing you need to remember, one thing you should consider? Oh, it's going to sound like a bit of a cheesy answer. Go on. Just, we love a bit of cheese. Go on. It's a bit cheesy, but I would, I would just say, like, your why is really important. It's your, it's your why. Mm-hmm. Because you can get all the best advice under the sun, but if you don't have a strong why behind whatever you're trying to do, I just find... And I've experienced this personally, like the likelihood of you achieving your goal just is dropped massively. Whether you're trying to lose weight, whether you're trying to, I don't know, get into a relationship, whatever it is, like it's just a much more um, higher likelihood of you achieving it if you have a really solid why. So when you apply that to property, if your why is I want to get out of my mum's house because everyone keeps on making fun of me and that's your strong motivation, just keep that in mind. And then everything that you're told and any advice you get, you're more likely to actually take action on. So as that's the advice I'd have. Like, have a why, and then actually have some solid steps as to how you're going to get there. And me saying this, obviously, um, I don't, you know, I haven't followed this to a T. You know, I've been really reckless of money in my life as well. Mm-hmm. But I would just say, figure out exactly why you want to do what you want to do, not just because you see everyone on Twitter doing it or not just because you think it's the right thing to do with actually having questioned it yourself. Actually just figure out um, for your personal reason and for your personal self, like why do you want to do this? And if you have a strong enough reason, I promise you, all you need to do is just go and follow a few property accounts, YouTube (laughs) videos, speak to people like me, speak to people like you who's obviously an amazing expert in what you do. And you'll, and you'll figure it's a lot easier to get to where you need to get to. So yeah, that's my answer. Just have a strong why. That was a great tip. That wasn't as cheesy as I thought it was going to be. That was absolutely amazing and well articulated. So thank you so much for that, Topsy. We are actually, we're not done yet. We're going to move into 
the last section. And that is called That Really Happened. And this is where I talk about an article or something that happened in the last week that I found interesting. And I think everyone should know about. So this one isn't exactly an article, but I'm sure you might have seen it top. So I actually put it on the Pennies Pounds Instagram story today. So I wanted to talk to you about it. Came across it online. And it was someone's screenshot from Instagram. They got one of the Instagram ads from this place called Zilch. If you don't know Zilch, they are like a buy now, pay later, like your Kalana and... They actually have interest. So Kalana don't actually charge interest, but they do. But they were advertising because you can use buy now, pay later on takeaway. They were advertising Papa John's, Domino's. So I put it on the Instagram story and I asked everyone, do you think buy now, pay later is a good idea for takeaway? And the answers came back from everyone in the Penny Smiles community. 6% said, why not? What's wrong with that? But 94% said it's an absolutely terrible idea. So Topsy, what are your thoughts on that? Buy oh now, pay God, later dude. for takeaway. Nah, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. I mean, it's a great business idea, isn't it? It actually is. Um, and I, I, they probably, what well, they are making money because, you know, we know about them. Um, so from a business idea perspective, yeah, if there's a market for it and you can make money from it and you haven't got huge amounts of morals, in my opinion, then go for it. I don't disagree with buy now, pay later, by the way. Yes. I actually don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it's used for, I think that's a massive reach. <laughs> if you can't afford a £7 takeaway or a £10 takeaway, you should not be using buy now, pay later. So I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I just feel wholeheartedly, and again, coming from a financial property angle, you, you need to prioritise other things. Mm-hmm. You know, that £8 you spend on a pizza can buy you pasta that might last you for a whole week and if you're using buy now pay later for that it just it just i just can't see it making any financial sense i just can't thank you so so much topsy you have given us you've inundated us with so much information this is why you are the king of property i have crowned you you are the king because you're absolutely amazing so thank you so much but before we go where can people find you people want to kind of stay up to date with your content where can people find you Thank you. Uh, so yeah, you can find me as a person um, at Topsy Taiwo across all socials, most active on uh, Twitter, Instagram, trying to be more active on TikTok, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe YouTube in the future, mm-hmm. but I'm really trying to focus on those first three at the, at the moment. Um, and you can also find my platform, which is called Property Purchaser on Instagram at Property Purchaser and on Twitter at Prop Purchaser. Because the letters wouldn't, uh, the, the too many letters, yeah. Letter. Got you. I had the same prop on Twitter, so that's where you can find me. And if you need any advice, whether you're looking to buy your first property, buy your first investment property, or you're just looking to have a second opinion on a property that you're looking to buy, reach out to me. I'm more than happy to have a, have a chat, direct you to the right person who might be able to help you out as well. So, yeah, anything residential property related, hit me up. And I'm by the way, I'm not taking king of property because I know some heavyweight. <laughs> I know some heavyweights in the property industry that I'm trying to be like, so... Well, do you know no, what? I'm, there I'm, can I'm, be more than one king. There's more than one king in this world. <laughs> so I feel like you have one of the crowns and I'm we're giving you it for pennies pounds. From us to you, you have one of the crowns, okay? Because we have I'm accounts of amazing people. Oh, You're no. No. <laughs> no, I'm not taking that crown right now. Not yet, not yet. Maybe in the future I might be accepting it, but yeah. But you are the king. So thank you so much. You've been absolutely incredible. I'm going to put your link 
to your platform in the episode description so people can just click through and go and follow with ease so don't you worry but that is the end of this episode thank you so much for joining us we have come to the end it's been absolutely amazing Topsy final words throwing it to you final words quick Final words, final words, final words. Um, we move. I don't know why we I said move. That. <laughs> we move. We absolutely move. And we'll be back again next week with another episode. If you have any thoughts on the buy now pay later, please just drop us a little tweet because I'd love to see that. Um, and yeah, see you again next week, guys. Bye. <laughs>